0: Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash YBZ. This independent learning activity is funded by Merck Canada, Incorporated. Hello, I am Dr. Stephen Chia from the British Columbia Cancer Agency in Vancouver, British Columbia. Welcome to this activity focusing on recent updates in the management of triple negative breast cancer. Joining me in this discussion is my colleague and friend Dr. Jean-Francois Berleau from the Jewish General Hospital and Siegel Cancer Centre in Montreal, Quebec. This topic is especially important because it represents about 15 to 20 percent of our incident population and as we know there's a generally slightly younger population that presents With triple negative breast cancer so this is a key cohort of patients that we need to focus on historically this type of breast cancer triple negative is associated with the worst prognosis as compared to other types of breast cancer particularly if there's a relapse from early stage disease moreover until recently there really existed a lack of treatment options beyond standard chemotherapy in both early and advanced stage disease Now we have access to new targeted therapies that not only address the unmet need of treatment options beyond chemotherapy, but also the unfavorable prognosis of triple negative breast cancer. We have three key trials in the metastatic setting. Firstly, Keynote 355, which is chemotherapy with or without pembrolizumab, which has shown in both an improvement in progression-free and overall survival, particularly when the CPS score is 10 or greater. We have two trials, Olympiad and Embraca, which are looking at PARP inhibitors, Olaparib and Talazoparib respectively, both of them comparing the PARP inhibitor to standard chemotherapy options, and both demonstrating consistent improvements in progression-free survival, specifically in germline-mutated BRCA1 and 2 metastatic breast cancer jf can you talk to us
1: about the recent advances in early stage triple negative breast cancer for sure Stephen. so as you know patients with early stage triple negative breast cancer relapse they have worse prognosis and to improve outcomes upfront treatment with neoadjuvant therapy is now considered the standard of care for patients with stage 2 and stage 3 triple negative cancer now we know that it's not all patients receiving neoadjuvant therapy will achieve a complete pathological response. And for patients with residual disease, we know that there's two trials that apply. So the Createx trial for any patients that are um, triple negative, or the Olympia trial that applies to patients that have germline mutated breast cancer. And both these trials have shown an improvement in overall survival for the triple negative patients. That's very key, particularly the X, as you
0: know, is only for patients with a residual disease post neoadjuvant chemo. But Olympia, which included both a triple negative and an ER positive HER2 negative cohort, patients did enroll if they had upfront surgery and some degree of significant risk factors uh, receiving then adjuvant chemotherapy and then could have received a laparib thereafter. So, you know, 522 gives us an option beyond standard chemotherapy in the neoadjuvant setting. JF, can you speak to the design of this trial, please?
1: Sure. So, this is a study of triple negative patients that have mostly stage 2 or stage 3 disease. And they received neoadjuvant chemotherapy, which was uh, a taxane and carboplatinum followed with an anthracycline, plus or minus immunotherapy. And they received the immunotherapy in the neoadjuvant fashion and also adjuvantly after surgery to complete for one year of treatment. One of the primary endpoints was pathological complete response, which is defined
0: as no invasive disease in breasts or nodes in situ was permissible in the breast. As you can see, there was a significant improvement in pathological complete response. I would state the control arm did fairly well, approximately 50% PCR rate with standard chemotherapy, and this improved up to approximately 65% with the addition of pembrolizumab. What we wanna know is if this PCR, in addition to patients receiving the adjuvant component, does this translate to an event-free survival? Here we can see at three years, there was a benefit in improving Event-free survival with the addition of both new adjuvant and adjuvant
1: pembrolizumab. Most of these event-free survival um, events were actually distant events, and we know how that is so important because it often translates to a benefit in long-term um, overall survival outcome. Yes, that's a great point. So when we look at the subgroups, you
0: can see in the force plots there's consistent benefit regardless of stage two to stage three. And the other important thing here is that it was irregardless of pd one status. This is unlike the study that I previously mentioned, the Keynote 355, where the significant benefit for both progression and, free and overall survival was in pd one positive with a CPS score of 10 or greater. I think this really has to do with biology, early stage versus advanced stage, no prior treatment, the tumor microenvironment in a, a, a treatment naive population, and possibly the chemotherapy backroom, including the use of anthracyclines, with some thoughts, it actually creates more neoantigenicity. The other thing we need to balance, both in terms of our delivery and our discussion with patients, is safety, of course. In my own patient population, I do need to outline to them that, albeit the absolute rates of significant treatment-related adverse events to immunotherapy is generally low compared to standard chemotherapy, When you look at adverse events in the combined neoadjuvant adjuvant component, the rates actually look very similar. uh, However, their more unique toxicities that we see with checkpoint inhibitors can be quite serious and require lifelong replacement therapy, whether it be adrenal insufficiency,
1: thyroid replacement therapy, et cetera. Yep, I agree. Uh, It's a conversation that the patients should have with their medical oncologists before choosing uh, that neoadjuvant treatment, for sure. So from a surgical perspective, um, it's worth noting that uh, at least around the time of surgery, we don't there's no increase in toxicity from uh, the addition of uh, pembrolizumab. Also, from the end of the neoadjuvant treatment to the time of the surgery, uh, there was no increase with the use of pembrolizumab. and from the time of surgery to uh, restarting adjuvant treatment, uh, th- there was no delays. So that's quite reassuring, but we've known, even from the initial report from Keynote 522, that when we use immunotherapy alone, without chemotherapy, there's very little increased toxicity. I think we also need to recognize that patients are
0: monitored very closely on this clinical trial. So I think that really leads to why monitoring as per the trial is important in our standard of care practice. Uh, We we built in regular monitoring into our clinical um, order set here at BC Cancer, we see the patients very closely and carefully prior to each systemic treatment preoperatively. And we also need to monitor them between their last treatment and prior to their surgery for uh, things, particularly things like adrenal insufficiency, uh, thyroid alterations, electrolyte alterations. Uh, In particular, we check morning cortisol prior to surgery. So these are all relevant
1: as surgery itself is a stress. Yeah, I agree. And, and for us surgeons, it's definitely something that's been integrated into the standard pre-op assessment for patients. The other thing we've learned is that if a patient develops one
0: immune-related adverse event, they are at a higher risk of having a second one compared to someone who's never had an immune-related adverse event. So just be wary of those patients and monitor them vigilantly. So to summarize... I think this study, Keynote 522, reinforces that stage 2 to 3 triple negative breast cancer, the standard approach should be for the consideration of a adjuvant chemotherapy and immunotherapy backbone, not that they should be going for upfront surgery if they're medically fit to be considered for neoadjuvant treatment. Based on the treatment algorithm of immunotherapy, uh, this is really the way forward to get, currently, this significant benefit for patients. Uh, beyond just chemotherapy which is what is only permissible right now in the Canadian environment if you're just delivering adjuvant therapy. We also have the existing treatment option of adjuvant capecitabine for residual disease for those um, that do not receive new adjuvant therapy and again those receiving a PARP inhibitor in the adjuvant setting will require a germline BRCA mutation. So with that any final thoughts, JF?
1: Thank you, Stephen. So, yeah, I would encourage surgeons to remember to send their patients uh, f- to their medical oncologist if they have triple negative disease stage 2 and 3, as uh, neoadjuvant treatment is standard and we now have this option with immunotherapy. And for those patients that do receive immunotherapy, I think just we have to remember to integrate the serum cortisol testing in our uh, standard pre-op assessment. Well, thank you, JF,
0: for your insightful thoughts. Uh, I really enjoyed having this discussion with you, and I hope this was beneficial for everybody from an educational perspective. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.